Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Good evening, and thank you, John, and welcome everyone to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al. I'm a permanent deacon here in the Peoria Diocese, and uh, very fortunate to be able to talk to you on Saturday and Sunday evenings here on Catholic Spirit Radio, where we look at the good news, at the gospel of Jesus Christ. We take the readings from uh, this weekend's Sunday Mass, and we talk about how do they affect us in our in our life today. And today we're going to hear from uh, the prophet Isaiah, from a letter from Paul to the Corinthians, and then the gospel is from Mark rather than from Matthew. Every now and then Mark and John sneak in during the year, but we're starting uh, we're starting a new year, you know. So we're going into uh, into the gospels of Mark for most of this year, uh, where we just got through with Matthew. So this is this is Advent. This is the first Sunday of Advent. Christmas is four weeks away. You know what that means? Fourth of July decorations go up pretty soon. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? I mean, we've already had Christmas up for months, months. In fact, you go to a lot of the stores, they're almost sold out. We're a month away from Christmas and they're, they're getting ready for, you know, Labor Day and <laughs> all this New Year's. So Christmas has already come and gone as far as the retailers are concerned. But I, I hope you'll make the most of this Advent. Advent, uh, to me, is is a really important liturgical season in the church. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be going in just a few days to uh, the Corpus Christi grade school and uh, spend a day there talking to the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, uh, doing a little Advent uh, reflection with them, which uh, I'll tell you about next week because it's going to be interesting to see how they how they take it. And uh, But Advent... A lot of times we talk about Advent being a time of preparation, and that's kind of sort of true. But a preparation for what? So the actual definition of Advent, it's the activities that take place prior to the arrival of a dignitary. So this, this, and this goes way back centuries old. The Advent activities were uh, the events that a community, a town put on when they knew that someone from royalty was going to be passing through or a conquering hero, a great general, some big dignitary was coming. And so in preparation for their arrival, the townspeople would do advents rather than events. They did advents, activities prior to the arrival. And so think about this. If you knew somebody famous was coming to your home, what would you do in preparation? Well, you'd probably clean up your home, pretty up the yard, maybe put up some decorations, right? Maybe uh, get some gifts for them, right? So, you know, even if it's just a special meal or a special bottle of wine, um, maybe, you'd, maybe you'd get some new clothes to wear, whatever. But you'd, you'd spruce things up, getting ready for their arrival. Well, that's what Advent is in the church. It's, it's, we're waiting for two big events, both involving Jesus. One event is the arrival of the baby Jesus, the nativity. And that's why we don't really, we, in the church, it's referred to not so much as Christmas, but as the feast of the nativity. Uh, just as we, we don't usually say Easter as much as we say uh, the feast of the resurrection. 
we're getting ready for the coming of baby Jesus, God incarnate, coming, coming to earth as man. But the other thing we're getting ready for is the return of Christ at, at the final judgment. And so we're preparing for both events. And how do we do it? Well, we do it the way that communities did centuries ago. We spruce up our homes. We decorate. We prepare special meals. We get gifts. Uh, we do all the things that were done centuries ago when you were expecting a conquering hero or a great dignitary, because that's what that's what Jesus is. He's conquered death, and he's he's certainly you know he's a great dignitary. It's God made man, and so we still do the same things we we did then. And so the question becomes: What are you doing in your life, your spiritual life, your family life, your personal life? What are you doing over these next four weeks to prepare? For the coming of Christ. And there's a lot of great things you can do. There's many events being offered at your parish that you could take part in uh, to prepare for this. And I invite you to do that. Uh, check out your local church bulletin. Go to our website. Go to Catholic Spirit Radio website, because there you can find not only what's happening in your parish, but you can find out what's being uh, held at surrounding parishes near you or within a reasonable drive that you might want to go and, and take part of. Uh, in in order to prepare yourself better for the coming of Christ. And and one way is to study, to improve your knowledge of Scripture, yeah, because that's how, that's how God speaks to us, is through sacred Scripture. And so much of that is misunderstood or not understood at all, or perhaps never read. Maybe that's a great Advent uh, activity for you, is to make the commitment to start reading the Bible. Uh, it's not that hard. Uh, it comes in a lot of different versions. So if the language you're reading doesn't fit your reading, not level, but your taste in wordsmithing, there's all kinds of Bible ver- versions out there that you can look at. Um, my particular favorite is the, uh, is the NASB. I'm sorry, the NABRE. Uh, but there's the NASB. There's the, uh, oh gosh, the, the Dewey Rhymes. Uh, Douay Rhymes, which I think is a, is beautifully written. I I stay away from the King James, not because it doesn't have all the books, but I just find the language really difficult to comprehend. It, it has its own poetry to it, being that it's in the Old English, but I like to read Scripture for an understanding of what God's trying to say to us. And that's not always real clear in the uh, King James Version. So I would recommend... That, uh, that you find a version, one, that, that has all the books, and two, that's written in a style that you're comfortable with because I want you to read it. The next thing I'm going to recommend to you is that you read Genesis and you read the Exodus and then you skip a couple books and you keep reading. Now, understand the Bible is not written as a storybook. The, not all the books are even in uh uh, historical order. Uh, they're they're made to tell the story of salvation, not a single running story, but this is a compilation of stories that give us an overall view of the story of salvation. But if you're new to the to reading the Bible, Deuteronomy and Numbers will destroy you. You'll you'll never want to pick up a Bible again. Skip them, just skip them. Move ahead. There's read read the prophets. Isaiah is is a is a beautiful book. Jeremiah, you know, read the prophets, read read the judges. 
the book of Judges, wonderful stories. Um, get into the New Testament, read the Gospels, read read the letters. James' letters uh, are wonderful, Paul's letters, and of course, uh, Peter's. Uh, so there's great epistles in there. Uh, save, save Revelation for last, after you get up enough nerve to go back and read uh, Numbers and, and uh, uh, Deuteronomy. Oh, and Leviticus. Leviticus isn't quite so bad, but Numbers and Deuteronomy can, can put you to sleep. Um, then read Revelation. Revelation is very difficult because it's very has a lot of symbolism. It's a dream. He's he's writing out the the narration of a dream that that, that the uh, the writer had, and so there's a lot of symbolic stuff. Um, get a get a coach, get a class on on Revelation before you try to read it, and follow the very first thing the Book of Revelation tells you to do. If you want to understand Revelation, it tells you in the preamble, you need to read it aloud. There is a special grace that you are given in understanding the writing if you read it aloud. Um, my favorite thing, I, I took it and I went to Lake Bloomington on, a, on an afternoon when there was nobody there. And I just uh, sat on a picnic table next to the lake and read Revelation aloud. And it really does open up to you much more than when you try and read it to yourself. It's just, uh, it's just a gift from God that that He offers. And and John, in his preamble, tells you right up front: if you want to understand this, you have to read it aloud. Uh, and I, I try that. And if you've tried reading Revelation and you're still not sure what it's about, try following John's instructions. Uh, most people don't look at the preamble and realize that that's what he wrote. But keep in mind, there's, there's no one correct translation of Revelation. A number of different people have put out different opinions as to what Revelation represents. Um, the, I've studied a few of them. The one that makes the most sense to me is that most of what you're reading has already happened. In fact, most of it happened within a hundred years of John writing it. Um, these centurists, uh, as they explain Revelation, it makes a lot of sense when you look at it that way. And no, the uh, the beast is not the Catholic Church, nor is the whore of Babylon the Catholic Church. Uh, the the beast is more than likely Nero, and there's a really solid explanation as to why to uh, see that see that beast as Emperor Nero. And the whore of Babylon is more than likely ancient Rome, not modern Rome, not the Vatican, ancient Rome. So uh, get do some studying before you go out and pronounce, uh, proclaim uh, the book of Revelation, and I think you'll get a lot more out of it. But there's a great Advent activity. Begin reading the Bible. And, and especially by Christmas, uh, stop wherever you're at and jump ahead to the to the Gospels, and start reading the Gospels. Uh, I think you'll you'll find that these are are beautiful, meaningful stories that will will teach you an awful lot. If you have a teenager at home, make them read Proverbs, and uh, you'll be amazed at what they learn out of that. There's some really good advice for growing up that that can be found in there. All right. Um, Get ready for Advent. We'll talk more about Advent as we get deeper into it over these next few weeks. But welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. 
We'll be hearing from Isaiah, from Paul, and from the Apostle Mark. I'm sorry, the disciple Mark, the evangelist. And we start off with the prophet Isaiah. This is from chapter 63 of Isaiah. You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer. You are named forever. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways and, and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants and tribes of your heritage. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down with the mountains quaking before you. While you were wrought, while you wrought awesome deeds, we could not hope for, such as they had not heard of from of old. No ear has heard, nor, nor no eye has seen any God but you doing such deeds for those who wait for you. Would that you might meet us doing right, that we were mindful of you in your ways. Behold, you are angry and we are sinful. All of us have become like unclean people. All our good deeds are, are, are like polluted rags. We have all withered like leaves, and our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to cling to you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have delivered us up to our guilt. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, we are all the work of your hands. The word of the Lord. So Isaiah, Isaiah is talking to a people who have uh, been vanquished from their homelands. They are enslaved by, by uh, other uh, tribes. And this, they've brought this on themselves, uh, as, as the early Israelites often did. They were very close to God. They were great with God when he was helping them. But then they got lazy, and they forgot about God, and they turned away from their from their practices, their reverence. They started to uh, revere other gods from near, nearby tribes. A lot of that came from intermarrying with other tribes. And they slowly turned away from God, and when that happened, their lives changed a lot, got really, really bad. And they blamed God, and God was saying, I didn't walk away from you. You walked away from me. You can come back anytime you want. And Isaiah is pretty much saying that same thing. He starts by saying, you know, you've turned away from us, but then he realizes, wait, we're your children. We're the work of your hands. We've turned away from you. And he's trying to get the, uh, the Israelites to realize uh, their error and to turn back to God. And when God comes, he's, he's hoping, he's, he's praying for the Israelites that God will catch them in a, at a good time when, the, when they aren't disobeying him, when they aren't worshiping false idols, uh, when they aren't breaking his laws, that God look at us again, try and catch us in a, at a good moment. And, and that's a theme that, that runs through most of today's uh, readings. In, in the letter from Paul to the first Corinthians, I'm sorry, in the letter of first Corinthians from Paul, um, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always on your account for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus, that in him you were enriched in every way, with all discourse and all knowledge, as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. 
and by him you are called to fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, the Word of the Lord. So again, Paul in his letters is often <clears throat> writing to these churches from a distance. Uh, now that he's got the, the community started, he wants to keep it vibrant. And as he hears from some of the uh, people he's left behind, like Timothy, to, uh, to keep an eye on things, he hears about problems going on. So Paul writes letters of encouragement, and that's a lot of the epistles are just that. Some are letters of correction, and others are just letters of encouragement uh, to keep on track. So Isaiah's telling the Israelites, let's get back on track. And Paul's telling the people of Corinth, stay on track now that you've gotten there. Don't wander away like, like the Israelites did. Stay on track. Remember that, that what, what is happening good in your life is happening through Christ and because of your acceptance of Christ. I love how uh, they all, both these readings include God our Father. And then when Jesus is as, as, as asked to teach, the, the apostles ask Jesus how to pray. It's always our Father. Uh, this, this idea of God being our Father goes back even into the Old Testament and is carried uh, through the New Testament. And that's a, a great way to, to remember who God is. Uh, he's a loving Father. He's the perfect Father. So no matter what kind of a father you grew up with, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, you have a perfect Father who loves you more than you can possibly imagine uh, in God, someone who's uh, responsible for your creation and is always by your side. We never have to be alone. I think that's one of the, one of the great promises of our faith is the fact that we, we are never alone, that we not only have God our Father, we have Christ our Lord, the, the entire Godhead, we carry the Holy Spirit within us, thanks to our baptism. So we're truly tied to the presence of God. But then we also have the presence of the saints and, and the support of the saints and the angels. So one of the real beautiful things about being Christian is you, you're never alone. You are surrounded by this spiritual help uh, through, through God and through, our, and through his saints and his angels. Mark is, is an interesting reading. It's a fairly short gospel, but Mark himself is pretty interesting. Uh, people say uh, one of the great negatives I hear about the Bible from uh, non, non-Christians is that, uh, well, the New Testament authors, I mean, they didn't, and they didn't actually write it. They didn't actually know Christ. Well, <coughs> let's deal with who wrote them and, and who, who actually knew Christ. So John and uh, Matthew were both apostles. So we knew, we know they knew Christ, and they, they were with him for at least three years. Uh, they heard all of his teachings. They even heard many of the teachings that are not included in Scripture. Scripture even tells us that not everything that was taught is there. That's why as Catholics we also rely not just on Scripture, but also on sacred tradition the things that were taught to the disciples that weren't included in Scripture, but the, the, the apostles taught to their disciples and they taught them to their disciples. So we, we look also at, at sacred tradition. So when it comes to that, we've got, of the four gospel writers, two of them were apostles. One was a disciple of Paul's, that's Luke, who spent a lot of time with Paul and say, well, Paul never met Christ. I would disagree with that. Paul spent years with Christ 
it was after the resurrection. But as Paul explains uh, in in Acts, uh, he spent years studying with Jesus in the desert after his resurrection. In fact, the same three years that Jesus spent with his apostles, he spent with Paul uh, in, in seclusion, preparing him for his ministry. And so Luke spent a lot of time with, with Paul. But then Luke was a very educated man as well. He was a physician. And he went back into the, uh, the early writings of the apostles, and he checked them out. He went and, and searched out the true story through, the, through various witnesses. And that's what uh, he put together into his gospel. As, and then he witnessed the growth of the church after uh, Christ's resurrection. And that's what became the book of Acts, which is actually the second half of Luke's gospel. So what about Mark? Well, if you read the scripture carefully, uh, the New Testament, you'll find out that Mark knew Jesus as well. In fact, knew him as a teenager, as a very young man. Uh, Jesus ate at Mark's home. Mark's mother was one of the disciples of Christ. They talk about the, about the women who would follow uh, follow Christ and the and the apostles. Uh, Mark's mother was one of those women, and Jesus, in fact, ate at Mark's home. When you read the Gospel of Mark, and they talk about the arrest of Jesus at Gethsemane, and he talks about a young man who ran off and they grabbed at his uh, clothing and his clothing was torn off and the young man ran naked into the night. That was Mark. So Mark was at the Garden of Gethsemane at Jesus's arrest. And so he knew Jesus very well and knew his teachings very well. So all of the four evangelists that wrote the Gospels were very well informed on the teachings of Christ and on the activities of his ministry. Okay, so you say they didn't actually write it. Maybe not, but let's look at this. If I tell John here about my vacation uh, to uh, the Sierras, or my, my hiking through the mountains of the Sierras, and John listens to those lessons, those stories for years, and then sits down and writes a book about my hike in the Sierras, is that my story or is it John's story? It's my story. John's writing about my story. When Matthew, John, Luke, Mark, when you see the gospel according to Luke or according to Mark or according to John, first of all, it's not their gospel. It's the gospel of Christ. There's just one gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's the gospel. It's the, it's according to these evangelists. It's the, it's how they told the story of Christ is what's being recorded. And so whether they wrote it personally or someone else wrote it, what they're writing is what that evangelist was teaching, what he was saying aloud. So, yeah, the scribe might have been different than the evangelist, but it's still the evangelist's story. And so today, I mean, we'd be calling that ghostwriting. <coughs> it's, it's the same thing. So anyway, there we go. So don't, don't get hung up on who, who held the stylus. It's still the gospel according to these four evangelists. And yes, they all knew Christ. Okay, so our, our short gospel from Mark today as we, as we uh, enter our first week of Advent. Jesus said to his disciples, Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It, it, 
It's like a man traveling abroad. He leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work to do and, and orders, and orders the gatekeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore, you do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at the cock crow or in the morning. Maybe, may he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch the gospel of the Lord. Have you ever, uh, ever had a job where the, the boss went on vacation? Left everybody, left everybody in charge and he, he or she left for a week? And he expects the business to be run well and not to have problems when, when he or she returns, Right? Uh, they leave and they leave the employees in charge. Well, that's what Christ did for us at the resurrection. He says, I'm going away. I'm leaving you guys in charge of things. Don't mess it up. And I'll be back to check on you sometime. But I'm not going to tell you when. Well, for the employee, that's, that's kind of, a, it's kind of a, a tireless effort. You have to be working all the time because you never know when the boss is going to walk back in is he going to catch you doing your job or is he going to get you just sloughing off? So that's pretty much what Jesus has told us. We have to be alert all the time. It's, it's not enough to follow Christ on Sundays. You know, we've got to be more than just a one-hour Christian. It's a 24-7 job. It it's, doesn't end until the boss returns. And then you're going to be judged by how well we did our job and we each have our own job to do. We each have our own tasks, our own orders, but he expects all of us to be doing the right thing when he comes. And we don't know when that's going to be. So is that a big order? Kind of, sort of, but really if, if you look at what, how he wants us to behave, it should be natural to us. What he's saying is just live a life in Christ and if you do that, if Christ is your focus and everything you do is, is aimed at living as Christ lives, loving as Christ loved, there's nothing to worry about. Um, it's, it's like when you, when you drive a car, there's a lot of different things you have to think about as you drive a car. The traffic signals, the traffic around you, you know, are there kids nearby? Is, is there, in this town, are there ducks crossing the street? I just had that happen to me again. There's all kinds of things you have to be aware of. And why? Because you never know when the police are watching, right? I mean, you never know. It's that one time when you, when you kind of lose concentration and you cross that, that, that double yellow, right, that, or, or you run that stop sign, that's when the police are going to be there to see you and say, eh, that was wrong. So, yeah, every, when you're behind the wheel, you have to be focused on your job of driving all the time. Well, when you're a Christian, you have to focus on being a Christian all the time because you do not know when Christ is going to catch you lapsing. Don't be caught sleeping. Be watchful. We'll leave you with that. Have a wonderful week. Have a great Advent. Remember, God loves you, and so do I. This is Deacon Al for Catholic Spirit Radio.
Good night. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.